Section 11 of The Exploits and Triumphs in Europe of Paul Morphy, the Chess Champion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Exploits and Triumphs in Europe of Paul Morphy, the Chess Champion by Frederick Milne Edge. Chapter 6 The Staunton Affair, Part 4. To this appeal, Lord Littleton made the following admirable reply, which covers the whole ground. Lord Littleton on Howard Staunton. Bodmin, Cornwall, 3rd November. Dear Sir, I much regret that I have been unable till to-day to reply to your letter of the 26th October, which only reached me on the first instant. With regard to the appeal which you have made to the British Chess Association, I may perhaps be allowed to say, as its president, that I fear nothing can be done about the matter in question by that body. It is one of recent and rather imperfect organization. Its influence is not yet fully established. It is practically impossible to procure any effective meeting of its members at present, and it is doubtful whether it could take any step in the matter if it were to meet. I must therefore be understood as writing in my private character alone, but, at the same time, you are welcome should you think it worth while, which I can hardly think it can be, to make further use of this letter, in any manner you may wish. Your letter has but one professed object, that we should declare that it is not your fault that the match between yourself and Mr. Staunton has not taken place. To this the reply might be made in two words. I cannot conceive it possible that any one should impute that failure to you, nor am I aware that any one has done so. But, in the circumstances, I shall not perhaps be blamed if I go somewhat further into the matter. In the general circumstances of the case, I conceive that Mr. Staunton was quite justified in declining the match. The fact is understood that he has for years been engaged in labors which must, whatever arrangements might be made, greatly interfere with his entering into a serious contest with a player of the highest force and in constant practice. And so far the failure of the match is the less to be regretted." nor can I doubt the correctness of his recent statement, that the time barely necessary for the match itself could not be spared, without serious loss and inconvenience both to others and to himself. But I cannot but think, that in all fairness and considerateness Mr. Staunton might have told you of this long before he did. I know no reason why he might not have ascertained it, and informed you of it in answer to your first letter from America. Instead of this, it seems to me plain both as to the interview at which I myself was present, and as to all other communications which have passed, that Mr. Staunton gave you every reason to suppose that he would be ready to play the match within no long time. I am not aware, indeed, nor do I perceive that you have said it, that you left America solely with a view of playing Mr. Staunton. It would, no doubt, make the case stronger, but it seems to me as unlikely as that you should have come, as has already been stated, anonymously, and certainly not with Mr. Staunton's concurrence, in order to attend the Birmingham tournament. With regard to the suppressions of part of your last letter, I must observe that I am not aware how far Mr. Staunton is responsible for what appears in the illustrated London news. But whoever is responsible for that suppression, I must say that I cannot see how it is possible to justify or excuse it. I greatly regret the failure of a contest which would have been of much interest and the only one, as I believe, which could have taken place with you, with any chance of its redounding to the credit of this country. 
I still more regret that any annoyance or disappointment should have been undergone by one who, as a foreigner, from his age, his ability, and his conduct and character, is eminently entitled to the utmost consideration in the European countries which he may visit. I am, dear sir, yours truly, Littleton. Paul Morphy, Esquire. Mr. Morphy could not do otherwise than avail himself of the permission accorded him by Lord Littleton to publish so full a justification. He thus put himself right on the record, and prevented any further misrepresentation. Numerous clubs in the United Kingdom took action upon the letter, and the following resolution of the Manchester Chess Club, one of the most influential in the country, shows what was the general feeling upon the subject. Resolution of the Manchester Chess Club at a special meeting, called in compliance with a requisition numerously signed, it was resolved that this meeting, while recognizing Mr. Staunton's right to decline any chess challenge which he might find inconvenient and incompatible with his other engagements, deems it proper, inasmuch as Lord Littleton has only felt himself at liberty to answer in his private capacity Mr. Morphy's appeal to him as President of the British Chess Association, to declare its full concurrence in the opinion expressed by Lord Littleton in his letter to Mr. Morphy, of the third instant, that in all fairness and considerateness Mr. Staunton should have told Mr. Morphy, long before he did, that he declined the proposed match, that copies of this resolution be sent to Mr. Morphy, Mr. Staunton, and the editor of the Illustrated London News. 17th November, 1858 Mr. Staunton was able to cite but one instance of an association sufficiently hardy to oppose its opinion to the verdict of Lord Littleton. A select circle of Mr. S.'s friends, the Close Borough Cambridge University Chess Club, ventured the following resolutions, which were forwarded for publication to several journals, as a would-be antidote to that of the Manchester Club. Resolutions of the Cambridge University Chess Club at a meeting of the Cambridge University Chess Club, held November 26, 1858, the following resolutions were passed unanimously. That the Cambridge University Chess Club, recognizing the important services rendered by Mr. Staunton to the cause of chess, and seeing with regret the ungenerous attacks which have for some time past been directed against him by a certain section of the press, notorious for its anti-English tendencies, are of opinion, one, that under the peculiar circumstances in which Mr. Staunton found himself placed, it was scarcely possible for him to do otherwise than decline the proposed match with Mr. Morphy. 2. That he is allowing the challenge to remain open so long as there appeared to be the slightest hope of his being able to play, was, beyond all question, the proper course to be adopted by one really anxious for the encounter. I cannot do better than give the remarks upon the above resolutions by the ERA newspaper, they make mincemeat of the Cantam's reasonings. The Era answers thus. The Era's Remarks It will be seen that the Cambridge University Chess Club constitutes itself the champion of Mr. Staunton against ungenerous attacks directed against him by a section of the press notorious for its anti-English tendencies. We wish the Cambridge gentlemen had pointed out the section they refer to. We were not aware that chess was of any country or that there were any anti-English tendencies in connection with it. The fact is that the section of the Metropolitan Chess Press, conducted by foreigners who have made their homes in England, has hitherto refrained from expressing any judgment in the dispute, contenting itself with giving the letters ungarbled and unmutilated. But in chess columns, 
conducted by Englishmen, have appeared the remarks pointed at by the Cambridge Club. So here we have the anomaly of anti-English Englishmen. With regard to the resolutions which follow the preamble, it is impossible to cavil at. 1. There is no doubt that under what are delicately called the peculiar circumstances, Mr. Staunton was right in not playing Mr. Morphy. If a man feels he would have no chance, it would be foolish for him to venture on a contest. Resolution 2 is not so impervious to criticism. Coming from so learned a quarter as Cambridge, we are rather disappointed at the looseness of its wording. The intention, of course, was to justify Mr. Staunton in taking the course he has adopted, but it does not do so. It says he was right in allowing the challenge to remain open till the last moment. If, indeed, Mr. Staunton had kept the challenge open as long as possible, no one would have blamed him, but that was precisely what he did not do. He accepted the challenge, and thereby closed with it, and his friends subscribed funds for the stakes. What Mr. Staunton did allow to remain open was the day, and, after repeated promises to name it, that has been postponed to never. This is what is complained of in Mr. Staunton's conduct, and Lord Littleton was right, and expressed the judgment of the great majority of English chess-players, when he wrote that Mr. Staunton might, and ought, at an earlier date, to have informed Mr. Morphy of his inability to play. We say nothing of the paragraphs which have appeared in the journal of which Mr. Staunton is the chess editor, insinuating that Mr. Morphy's money was not ready, because he, Mr. Staunton, may not be answerable for them, but confine ourselves, in conformity with our English tendencies, to an expression of our concurrence in the views of an English nobleman, the whole of the members of the Metropolitan Chess Circle, and those of the provincial clubs who have communicated with us on the subject. Mr. Staunton's short-sighted policy with regard to Paul Morphy had not only caused him to be condemned vis-à-vis -vis of that gentleman, but his former career was also dragged into discussion and severely commented upon. The following letter appeared in the Field a week after the appeal to Lord Littleton, and, as will be seen, it is from the pen of a once warm friend of Mr. Staunton. Mr. Staunton and Mr. Morphy Sir, I am desirous, with your permission, of saying a few words upon the relative position now occupied by Messrs. Staunton and Morphy, whose proposed encounter has been brought to such an unfortunate, though not unforeseen, termination. Now I am well acquainted with Mr. Staunton. I have been concerned on his behalf in the arrangement of one of his proposed matches, with a player whom he has never ceased to vituperate since that period when I endeavoured so strenuously to bring them together. I have fought Mr. Staunton's battles for him by pen and by word of mouth on sundry occasions. I wish, indeed, I could do so now, for, as a chess player and as a labourer in the field of chess literature, I place him on the very highest pinnacle. Since the time of Macdonald, I believe that no player in this country, not to say Europe, has ever reached so high a standard as was attained by our English champion when he did battle with St. Amant. Since that time he has been the rather concerned in editorial duties, and in intimating to real or imaginary correspondence in the Chess Player's Chronicle, now defunct, and in the Illustrated London News, full of vitality, what he could do on the checkered field, if those who dreamed of approaching him could but master sufficient money to meet his terms, or what other and peculiar restrictions, owing to delicate health and nervous irritability, he should impose upon any adversary with whom he engaged himself. 
From what I have seen of Mr. Staunton, I should think the term delicate thoroughly inapplicable to his condition, but that he is highly irritable and nervously susceptible of all antagonistic impressions, no one who knows him can for a moment doubt. How easy tis, when destiny proves kind, with full-spread sails to run before the wind. So sings the poet. Destiny did prove kind to Mr. Staunton when he played his match in Paris with Saint-Amant. The Englishman made the most of it and achieved a splendid triumph. At the great chess tournament in 1851, destiny was not quite so obliging. The champion from whom we expected so much had a headwind against him, and he was beaten. I saw much of Mr. Staunton at that time. I believe, in all justice let it be said, that he was thoroughly unnerved, that he was utterly unequal to an arduous contest, and that his great merits ought not to be gauged by his play upon the occasion alluded to. He deserved— he did not receive, for he has never given the same to others, every sympathy under circumstances which were intensely mortifying to him personally, and to us nationally. Since 1851 it has been pretty generally understood that Mr. Staunton's irritability has not diminished, and that his literary responsibilities have the rather multiplied. Consequently we have no right to expect, nationally, that he would again be our champion, and contend with the young American, whose reputation ran before him to Europe, and has accompanied him ever since his arrival from the United States. We had no right, I say, to expect this, but for one reason. That reason is to be found in the chess department of the Illustrated London News, of which Mr. S. is the acknowledged editor. It has been there constantly implied, nay, it has been over and over again unequivocally stated, during the last eight years, that the vanquisher of Saint-Amant is still the English champion, that as such he has a right to dictate his own terms, and that if any one who is prepared to accede to those terms, he, Mr. Staunton, is prepared for the encounter. It matters not whether the correspondents to whom these implications are made are real, or, as is generally supposed, imaginary. It is sufficient that certain statements are made with the intention of conveying a false impression to the public, as regards Mr. Staunton's desire to play and capability of playing. This is where he is so greatly to blame. This is the point on which he has alienated from himself, during the last few years, so many of his warmest friends. No one blames Mr. Staunton for not playing with Mr. Morphy, but everyone has a right to blame Mr. Staunton if, week after week, he implies in his own organ that there is a chance of a match, if all that time he knows that there is no chance of a match whatever. This, I affirm deliberately, and with great pain, is what Mr. Staunton has done. It has been done times out of number, and this in ways which have been hardly noticed. If the editor of the chess department of the Illustrated London News merely states as a piece of news that Mr. Morphy is coming to England from America to arrange a match at chess with Mr. Staunton, and Mr. Staunton, being that editor himself, and being burdened with literary responsibilities which he knows to be so great as to prevent his playing an arduous contest, fails to append to such statement another, to the effect that he has given up public chess, and has no intention of again renewing it, he is not acting in a straightforward and honourable manner. But much more than this has been effected. So solicitous has Mr. Staunton been to trade as long as possible upon his past reputation, that it has been written in the Illustrated London News, since Mr. Morphy's arrival in this country, that he, Mr. M., is not prepared with the necessary stakes for an encounter with Mr. Staunton. 
what truth there was in such a vermint may be gathered from the admirable letter in your impression of last saturday from the young american to lord littleton why is not mr staunton content to say what those who like him best would be glad to be authorized to say for him i have done much for the cause of chess but i am not equal to what i once was and i am hampered by engagements which do not admit of my playing matches now i cannot risk my reputation under such manifest disadvantages as would surround me in a contest with mr morphy the public at large would then respect mr staunton's candour and have a larger appreciation than they now have of his great merits it is true that mr staunton has said this at last but he has been forced to say with a bad grace what ought long ago to have been said voluntarily with a good one these unpleasant not to use a harsher term circumstances are the more to be deplored at present because of the frank courteous and unassuming conduct of mr morphy upon every occasion since he set foot in europe i have seen him play in london and in paris and i have noted those obliging and unobtrusive manners which secure to him the good will of everybody and surround him by troops of friends how is it that mr staunton is not surrounded by troops of friends likewise is he not a scholar and a gentleman has he not many qualifications for the distinguished literary position he now fills undoubtedly he has but he has never been able to merge the personal in the general to regard his own individuality as other than the first consideration brought into contact many years ago with players who were not refined gentlemen an antagonism was immediately established between the two parties unhappily for the chess world literary opportunities were afforded in the columns of rival newspapers for the indulgence of malevolent feelings on both sides to this warfare there has never been a secession so notorious is the fact of its existence that it is impossible to rely in one paper upon any statement having reference to the london chess club it is equally impossible to rely in the other upon any statement affecting the st george's club ladies who are devoted to Kesa and write to the illustrated london news are not aware of these things imaginary correspondents of course are utterly ignorant of them but we who live in and about london who have been behind the scenes at both theatres know how much reliance is to be placed upon a certain kind of chess intelligence with which two rival journals regale their correspondents and the general public every week look even at the illustrated london news of last saturday and you will see a letter professing to come from birmingham i think it is a misprint for billingsgate which is absolutely disgraceful why should mr staunton try to bolster up his reputation which is european with sentiments and language of a purely i mean impurely local character why is one player always to be cried up at the expense of another why are ungenerous and ungentlemanly insinuations to be made against a youth whose conduct has been characterized by so much unobtrusiveness and so much good feeling as that of mr morphy why is mr harvitz always to be run down in the illustrated london news why are mr lowenthal and mr bryan quondam editorial protégés now never spoken of but in terms of disparagement why should mr staunton call upon the sursal at paris to insist upon mr harvitz progressing with his match with mr morphy at a more rapid pace when the german had pleaded ill health as the cause of the delay who has drawn so largely upon the patience of the british public on the score of ill health and palpitations of the heart ad hoc genus omne 
as the generous and sympathizing writer who thus stabs a rival player when he is down. It is time, sir, that these things should cease. We are all weary of them. What better opportunity for crying a truce to these mean and petty warfares of the pen than the one which now presents itself? Mr. Staunton is our champion no longer. We must turn to someone else to uphold the national flag upon that field where Labradonius and Macdonnell fought and struggled. So anxious am I that good feeling should be restored, and that we should be united, as I see chess players united in other countries, that I have put together hurriedly these reflections, which, however imperfect they may be, are true and just. And, because I have observed that the chess department of the field, which you so ably edit, is peculiarly free from personalities and remarkably authentic in its information, I ask you to help me in the good cause by giving publicity to this letter. I am not ashamed of what I have written, nor do I desire to shrink from the responsibility of revealing my name, if it is necessary. I enclose my card, as a guarantee, and prefer, if it meets your views, to appear only under the name of Pawn and Two. It is difficult in any country, and quite impossible in England, to struggle successfully against public opinion. Mr. Staunton had kept silence as long as possible, but there was one course for him to pursue, namely, in one way or another, to own that he was wrong. The chess circles in which he was once the most welcome of all comers now turned on him the cold shoulder. The first clubs of the kingdom, and amongst them the St. George's, were signifying their desire to offer Paul Morphy public dinners. Such eminent players as Captain Kennedy volunteered subscriptions towards a national testimonial for the young American, not more as evidence of their admiration for him as a master of the game than as marking their esteem for him as a man. Footnote. Captain Kennedy's Opinion of Paul Morphy To the Editor of the Era Sir, as I understand that Mr. Morphy contemplates another visit to England before his return to America, will you permit me, through your columns, respectfully to suggest to the chess community of this country the propriety of offering him a public entertainment, together with some adequate testimonial which may serve to mark our sense of his transcendent ability as a chess player, and also our appreciation of him as a chivalrous, high-spirited, and honorable man, a character which I hope Englishmen know how to value far more than even any amount of skill at chess. Should this proposal take any definite shape, I shall be happy to be allowed to contribute five pounds towards its accomplishment. I am, sir, your obedient servant." A. A. Kennedy. Bath, January 1st, 1859. Captain Kennedy, we feel sure, in this communication, expresses the feelings of a large majority of English chess players, and we have little doubt that his suggestion will be entertained and carried out. For ourselves, we shall be happy to aid to the utmost in any plan that is formed for the purpose. End of footnote. Mr. Staunton can no longer resist such a pressure, and, besides, he owed some apology to his paper for the suppression of the famous paragraph. He therefore addressed the following communication to his chief, the editor of the Illustrated London News. Mr. Staunton's Explanation To the Editor of the Illustrated London News Sir, my attention has this moment been directed to a passage in a letter of Lord Littleton to Mr. Morphy, where an allusion is made to the suppression of a portion of Mr. Morphy's letter to me, which you published, together with my answer, in your paper for October 23. I have not seen the epistle to which Lord Littleton's is a reply, but I plead guilty at once to having omitted, 
when sending you Mr. Morphy's Jeremiah and my answer, a couple of paragraphs from the former. My reasons for admitting them were, in the first place, because they appeared to me to be irrelevant to the main point between Mr. Morphy and me, secondly, because I know if the letters extended very much beyond the limited space you apportioned to chess, they were pretty certain of being omitted, or, as Mr. Morphy phrases it, suppressed altogether, and thirdly, because I had already written to a friend in Paris with whom, through my introduction, Mr. M. was living upon intimate terms, an explanation touching the notice Mr. Morphy professes to be so concerned at, and from my friend's reply, which intimated that Mr. M. was about to write to me in an amicable spirit, I of course supposed there was an end of the matter, and that I should be permitted to pursue my work, and this young gentleman his play, without further misunderstanding. That, after this, and in the face of my endeavours through your journal, to set his blindfold and other chess exploits before the public in the most advantageous light, in the face of every civility, which, to the extent of my opportunities, I have endeavoured to show him from the first moment of his arrival in this country, he could reconcile it to his sense of honour and honesty, to impute to me a willful suppression of any portion of his letter, does, indeed, amaze me, and I can only account for it by supposing he is under the influence of very ill advisers, or that his idea of what is honourable and honest is very different from what I had hoped and believed it to be. I am, sir, yours, etc., H. Staunton. November 15. P.S. That you may judge with what likelihood, and with what propriety, Mr. Morphy attributes the omission of the excerpta to sinister motives, I enclose them, and shall be obliged by your giving them the additional publicity he craves, as soon as your space permits. Quote, A statement appeared in the chess department of that journal, the Illustrated London News, a few weeks since, that Mr. Morphy had come to Europe unprovided with backers or seconds, the inference being obvious, that my want of funds was the reason of our match not taking place. As you are the editor of that department of the Illustrated London News, I felt much hurt that a gentleman, who had always received me at his club and elsewhere, with great kindness and courtesy, should allow so prejudicial a statement to be made in reference to me, one, too, which is not strictly consonant with fact. End quote. Quote, in conclusion, I beg leave to state that I have addressed a copy of this letter to the editors of the Illustrated London News, Bell's Life in London, The Era, The Field, and The Sunday Times, being most desirous that our true position should no longer be misunderstood by the community at large. I again request you to fix the date for our commencing the match. End quote. Mr. Morphy was not desirous of prolonging the discussion, after so full and entire an endorsement from Mr. Staunton's fellow countrymen, or he could easily have driven that gentleman further into the mire. But Mr. S. made two statements in the above letter, which Paul Morphy could not allow to pass unrebuked, and he accordingly denied, publicly, that he had received any introduction whatever from that gentleman, or that he had even hinted his intention of writing Mr. Staunton, amicably or otherwise. The latter part of the letter is in questionable taste. As though Mr. S. had acquired any right to misrepresent facts, publish misstatements, and deny reparation, on account of having set his, M.'s, blindfold and other chess exploits before the public in the most advantageous light. By doing so, Mr. Staunton merely fulfilled his editorial duty, for the entire chess world was on the qui vive after Morphy's exploits. His games were being published throughout Europe, to the exclusion of nearly all others, and surely Mr. S. could not allow his paper to be behind other journals. But he knew full well that, 
after the first fortnight or three weeks, Mr. Morphy never gave him a single parte, being hurt at the ungenerous treatment evinced towards him in the notes. Mr. Staunton was using the columns of an influential journal to crush a dangerous opponent, and, at the time he penned the above letter, he well knew that Paul Morphy resented from the first such unfairness, and had positively forbidden any of his games to be sent to him. Mr. Staunton makes reference, in conclusion, to very ill advisers. I suppose I must take this mainly to myself, more particularly as it is not the first time of his using the expression during the discussion. Without attempting to defend myself, I would say to Mr. Staunton, I can reconcile it with my sense of honor and honesty to impute to you a willful suppression of the paragraph so frequently referred to. Had you given that paragraph, you would, perforce, have been obliged to give your reasons for the assertion therein contained. And I would remind you, sir, that, in all this discussion, you have never touched the real point at issue, never apologized for the misstatement of which Mr. Morphy complains with so much cause. Paul Morphy is acquainted with the reason for that misstatement, but he has never evinced a desire to force you to state it publicly. He can afford to be generous." It may be cause of regret to some that the match between these two athlete did not take place. Such a contest would not have afforded any test of comparison, inasmuch as Mr. Staunton is not now the player he was eight or ten years ago. But an infallible test exists by which to judge of their respective merits, viz. their games. By their fruits ye shall know them. Moral Mr. Staunton's weakness was want of sufficient courage to say, he is stronger than I. Lowenthal said it before his match with Morphy was finished. Mr. Bowden openly avowed his inferiority, as also Mr. Bird and many other eminent players. And St. Amant, in Paris, led the young hero up the steps of the throne and seated him beside Labradonius, proclaiming, Voici notre matra à notoire. Had Mr. Staunton so done, he would merely have anticipated the verdict of posterity, and honoured himself in the eyes of his countrymen and the world. End of section 11